Today, we don't worship mothers. We worship Christ Jesus, and we celebrate mothers, okay? There's a difference at Town Creek Baptist Church. But mothers, this is so applicable today. If I had to uh, uh, script a special Mother's Day sermon, listen, today's title, Sailing the Winds of Heartache, Happiness, and Hope. Does that sound like a mother's life? I'm talking about the Apostle Paul. And it sounds just like a mom. Have you ever had those wayward children that you're praying for? Lord, bring them home. Lord, I pray for my family. I pray for this son and this daughter. Lord, whatever you're going to do, do it for the glory of God. Anybody ever prayed those prayers? Prayer? I know my mother prayed, especially when I joined the Navy. I sailed this same Mediterranean Sea that Paul was on. I had some storm. I had a nasty storm in the Mediterranean, the worst storm I've ever been in my life. So the near-death experience, I felt like when I read this story, I get seasick reading chapter 27, just so you know. It makes me nauseated just to read this chapter, but we're going to read it together and see that Paul is headed for shipwreck. But Paul really is not headed just for shipwreck. Where's he headed to, church? He's headed to Rome. God says he's going to Rome, so guess where he's going? He's going to Rome via shipwreck, okay? So sometimes God brings us hard times in our life, and I want you to know today, if you don't hear anything that I preach or teach this morning, listen, the God's the God of the valley. He's also the God of the mountain. He's the God of when you're having a heartbreak, heartache. He's the God of happiness, and most of all, he's the God of hope. We're going to see what Paul says about this today and how Paul, God sees him through. After reading through the book of Acts, if you've been with us any time, if you're a guest, thanks for being here today. Um, I'm glad your mother, father, whomever brought you here today, I'm glad they brought you here. I hope that you hear this message and know God does love you. It's not just something we say. It's not just a, a, a cliche that we say because we're Christians. It's not like a, a God bless her or God bless her heart right? It's uh, God loves you because God himself, Jesus Christ said so in John three sixteen. did he not? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have, what does, the, what does it say church? Everlasting life. That's a promise from Jesus Christ, our Savior. You can't run from that. But the opposite is true today. So if you came here and just want to hear a message of love, you're going to hear that. But also, listen, God says Jesus Christ paid for our sins on the cross. And if you think you're so bold or emboldened or so strong or so mighty, I want you to understand that when you die, if you don't receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you will pay your own price for sin, and that price will be paid eternity in a place called hell. That's true from the Word of God. You say, well, I don't like that. Neither do I. That's why, thank God, he called me to himself. I heard a preacher preach that you must be born again, and I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And that's why I stand before you today. He changed my life. He gave me that everlasting life. But everyone's going to make a choice today. It's like riding down a dirt road. There's a fork in the road. Do I go left or do I go right? And you'll make that decision. That, that, that is true from God's word. You'll make that decision whether you choose to go with God or away from God. Well, Paul, is, he's all in. He has come to his place in his life that he says, I want to follow Christ no matter what happens. Been stoned to death, kicked out of city, beaten, tortured, and now he's still on his journey. He's appealed to Rome, to go to Rome to be tried. There's no accusation. There's nothing that he's guilty of. Even the King Agrippa said he's not guilty of anything. And Miss Kristen is reminding me that I didn't let the children go to children's church today. I forgot. Kids, let's get up. My, my bad. If you want your kid to sit with you on Mother's Day, fine. If not, we're going to try. I totally forgot about children's church. I'm sure they're going to make creative little things for mothers. Good save, Miss Morris. But Paul's going to be very, very clear in his, see you guys, like the outfit. Paul's going to be very clear that he has a purpose. And God's going to remind Paul of his purpose through encouragement. 
He's going to use people who aren't Christians to encourage Paul. Have you ever had someone who's not a Christian encourage you? It can happen. God's given good personalities to a lot of different people. They're still sinful people, but they can actually have a good nature about them. Maybe you were that person, or maybe you are that person. But Christ makes a difference. After you receive the Lord Jesus Christ, God takes your good personality, and he uses it for his glory. Let's look in the Word of God and what it says. Acts chapter 27, there's a couple of hard words in there, and if you enunciate, that's what I do sometimes when I look at some of the words, and I have to go back and listen to other professionals, and I go back and enunciate the words. But we're going to look. We're not reading all 37 verses because I'm going to summarize because it's going to move pretty quick. Okay, Paul has been summons, it, Paul's been sentenced, if you will, to Rome because he asked for it. He's a Roman citizen. And when it was decided that we should sail to Italy, they delivered Paul and some other prisoners to one named Julius, a centurion of the, here's one of those words, Adoramidium, I had to sound down on my, my Bible, regiment, uh, the Augustus Regiment. So in a ship of Adermidium, we put to sea, meaning to sail along the coast of Asia. Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, was with us. And the next day we landed at Sidon, and Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him liberty to go with his friends and receive care. We're going to pop in just really quick and look at the snapshot. They're on their way to Italy. They're setting sail. They're leaving Judea. And they're heading to Rome. And y'all know, if you've ever been in, if you've seen a map of the Mediterranean, has anyone ever sailed in the Mediterranean or been in a ship on the Mediterranean? Sometimes it can be very pleasant and smooth, and sometimes it can, these winds, these tempestuous winds that the Bible talks about, when they come, it is so contrary. We, we were on a destroyer, USS Peterson DD 969, and swells so big that it would actually swallow the boat, the ship, and it would crack and pop to come out of the water like a submarine. And it felt like we were pointing straight at the sky, this long, long ship. And um, you can imagine, I was in the Navy, and I made a decision when I was in the Navy, I was going to be uh, Chief of Naval Operations. That was my goal when I first joined. I was going to work my way through all the way up. And then I found out I get really motion sick. And I get really bad sick to the point all my shipmates laughed at me crossing the Atlantic. Hey, wait till you get to the Mediterranean. It's as smooth as butter, and you'll, you'll feel better. So we crossed to the Strait of Gibraltar. And the cooks, everyone felt sorry for me. And they just, I said, what, what do you want to eat? We'll cook anything for you. And I said, bacon and eggs. So they cooked me about a dozen eggs and about a pound of bacon or more, and I ate all of it. I mean, I was just consuming as fast as I could, drinking juice, because I hadn't eaten all the way across the Atlantic because I was just so sick and, and motion sick. And then we get into the, uh, we get into the uh, Atlantic, I mean, into the Mediterranean, and I see the radar, and I'm watching different things. I'm like, hey, guys, I'm not a... Sonar tech or radar tech, what is, what is all this coming in at us? And they said, that's warning. <laughs> it's going to be bad. Strap in. We had seat belts. We're on the 04 level. You imagine we were up in the steeple, if you can imagine. Where, that's where my office was. And you, if you ever, if the ship tips like this, you tip all the way over like this. And there's not a, just a rocking back and forth if you've never sailed. It is a roll of the dice as it just it rolls up from the back and the front and just constant rolling like this. Never stops, night and day. Get the picture? That picture applies to Paul and these, these sailors that are on this ship because they're on a wooden vessel and then they're, they're heading for destruction. These are, if you would, professional sailors. The man who owns the ship is on the, the boat himself. The captain, he's on the boat. And Paul's going to tell a story, obviously, or Luke's telling a story of what's happened on the ship. And it's, it's miserable. If you've never experienced it, you can't tell anyone necessarily what it's like. You can, you can describe it. You can see the outcome. The question comes, why did I not choose to be the chief of naval operations? All of us were, there was a Soviet sub nearby. We're locked in our little cell, if you will, 18 men. 
a dark room, loud music playing, charts everywhere, computers everywhere. And our senior chief, who had, he had drank so much coffee during his time in the Navy and smoked so many cigarettes, he, he ruined his teeth in the front. And he had the Navy, good old Navy had made him a partial. And he had smoked so much coffee and drank so much, uh, smoked so much uh, <laughs> cigarettes and coffee, he had ruined his partial. So this man called me Schmittys. Schmittys, not Smitty. Schmittys. And he'd never been sick. He, he bragged about how many his sea legs, been to the north, the northern Atlantic, and he'd been to this campaign and this campaign, never been sick, and they can't understand, well, I'm sick, and I'm sick. And it was a community bag, if you, I won't describe it because you, you can only use your imagination. I won't say these words in church, but it was tacked to the charts. Soviet sub, this is happening, this is happening. The Gulf War is about to break open. Just so you know, this is the activity that's happening in the Middle East. So we're tracking everything. And we're all watching everything and watching these clouds come in and, and this community bag was just up there just in case somebody, you couldn't leave the space. Everything's watertight now, waiting for war. And so we all took turns being a little bit sick. I was a lot sick. And the senior chief was laughing at us saying, boys, this says nothing. And he's staggering as he talk, he's talking this way. This is the way you had the conversation, back and forth. Not because he was drunk, because the ship's moving and you never stand still. You just, it's just a concept. This is how you talk to one another. If you're not buckled down, I'm sitting in a seatbelt working on the computer and I'm still moving. And about that time, he said, boys, you're about to see history. And he proceeded to put his breakfast in the bag. And I was like, oh, in a room. And you can imagine the, the environment. I'm telling you this because I want you to see the picture of Paul and these sailors. And when I, that's why I say I get seasick when I read this chapter. And he puts his breakfast in the bag, and then he rolls his sleeves up. We're in security alert. He takes his gloves off, pushes his sleeve all the way up to his shoulder, reaches in the community bag, finds his partial, <laughs> cleans his arm off, shakes the partial one time. He reinserts it, does this with his tongue, swallows twice and said, boys, that's what it's all about. That was the day I knew I was getting out of the United States Navy. If that's what it's all about, I was, and it made everyone sick. You could have only met, you know how you feel right now, I'm telling you the story. True story. I want to apply that to Paul. Is that, that's how this, it was worse because they're on a wooden vessel. They can't get indoors. They're trying to secure the vessel. They're trying to do everything that they knew humanly possible to secure the ship. They were trying to save the ship. Not necessarily Paul. And then Julius, who is the commanding centurion, he's trying to save the the prisoners, because this is his responsibility. This is his charge, because these prisoners are headed to Rome. What's going to happen if he makes it to Rome without his prisoners? His life is over as he knew, as he did knew it, what he knew it then. Well, let's look at what's going to happen. So Julius gives Paul a little liberty with his friends. Paul has actually someone that's traveled with him, and you see this uh, uh, Aristarchus. He's actually mentioned in Colossians. He's mentioned again in, in Galatians. Paul says, "My fellow servant." So. Undoubtedly, they must have bought tickets with these grain vessels that are headed across the water. You're going to see they transition ships at least uh, twice and because there's a shipwreck coming. We know that, and we'll see that next week. In Bible study this morning, the Catalyst Group, you, sh you should have learned about religious freedoms, standing up whenever no one else stands, standing so that you have the right to share the gospel. Do you think it's better today than it was in the 1950s for religious freedom in America? Better or worse, what would you say? All right, let's do, we're Baptists, let's do a vote. Who says it's better? Raise your hand. Who says it's worse? Raise your hand. 
All right? Raise your hand if it's your fault. Raise your hand. Everyone should raise your hand. Who do you blame? You got to blame someone. You blame the government? The government's people that we vote in. If you voted for the person that you have in office today, congratulations. Isn't that right? If you didn't vote, then you voted for the person who's in office. Congratulations. And if you voted opposite the person in office, then do more work, call more people, and be passionate about what you believe in because, listen, our religious freedoms, as we all can attest, are eroding. It won't be long. I said three years ago from this pulpit, I don't believe Town Creek Baptist Church in 10 years will be in the same position or, or be like this in 10 years. That was three years ago. I'm even more convinced of that three years later than ever, that we won't necessarily have the freedoms that we have today to meet like this. In Canada, our brothers and sisters across the border, police are shutting down churches in the name of coronavirus, in the name of you don't have a right. Well, you do have a right, but we choose that you don't have a right. They're blocking parishioners from going into the church. They're walking into churches without search warrants. It's happening in Canada, our northern brothers. And it's actually going to be long. It won't be long. It is in places illegal to speak or preach against homosexuality. You say, Pastor, that's, that's Canada. It's coming to our neighborhood. We must stand as long as we can for the Lord Jesus Christ and preach the gospel as long as we're able to preach. Paul here in a very secular place, he's preaching about Jesus Christ. I want to read just a little bit longer as we go through. Paul's just going to tell you verses 4, or Luke's going to tell you verses 4 through 8, that they've sailed into different places, and, and they sailed slowly. And then you're going to see the wind is contrary. The wind's not letting them move. Verse 8, passing with difficulty, we came to a place called Fair Havens near the city of Lycia. You can tra track on a Mediterranean map where these men traveled. Now, when much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because of the fast was already over. Paul advised them. Here's what he advises. Now, this is a preacher getting involved in sailing, the maritime event. Men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but of our lives. Paul's saying, this is going to be dangerous. Have you ever given advice to somebody when you gave just a pretty good, you, you, you just had a gut feeling or you just absolutely had a little bit of knowledge and you told someone about, hey, I don't think this is a good idea. It usually happens when you're about 17 and you're about to jump off something or do something you shouldn't do or go somewhere you shouldn't go. <clears throat> Anybody ever been there, done that? And you, you were the voice of reason saying, I don't think this is a good idea. And all your friends said, no, no, let's do it. Or coworkers, let's do it. And you do it. And it's usually, girls, I can't speak for you ladies, but I know guys, adrenaline rushes and our frontal lobe don't develop till we're 21. So whenever we decide to jump off something, we think about it when we hit the ground and all the pain or the blood is happening or the bones break, that's when we think about it and go, how terrible that is. Now, we brag about it after we have the cast or if we live through it, right? Same thing here. Paul is saying, men, listen, look, you can see the storms. It took us forever to get here. The weather is bad. We should not set sail. The shipmaster, if you continue to read, he continues saying, listen, we're going to get out of here. This is not a good harbor for wintertime. We're not going to winter here. And so they go, they set sail. Verse 13, let's pick up the story. When the south wind blew softly, supposing they had obtained their desire, putting out to sea, they sailed close to Crete. Mike, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. Would you go undo what we did back there? Derek, will you check the temperature to make sure that we're um, uh, back to normal? Because I feel cold air, and I know if I feel it, because I'm usually hot, you're probably cold, and I can see some of your arms. So we'll get the temperature right. Thank you for set, setting up. So they, they're setting sail. It looks like it's going to be good weather. But not long after, a tempestuous headwind arose called, this is a cool word, Eurokulodon. It sounds like a big monster, doesn't it? 
It's coming out, it's coming out of the, like our northeastern we'd have in America. It's blowing through, and it's going to take the ship, and it's going to actually, it's going to, spoiler alert, it's going to ruin the ship, and they're going to crash on the shore. We won't get all the way to the shipwreck. So when the ship was caught and could not head into the wind, we let her drive, and running under the shelter of an island called Clauda, we secured the skiff with difficulty. What is the skiff? It's the small boat, the lifeboat, if you will, today. They brought it on board, secured it, and so that actually, if they would, the ship would pull in, instead of going all the way on board, they would send the skiff in to actually to explore or to actually see if it's a fair haven or, or a place to stay, and the, they put the, sh- the skiff on board. Well, the skiff comes into play later on when the sailors are going to, verse 32 of 31, that the sailors are going to actually take the skiff because they could see the ship was headed for shipwreck. And a skiff is a much smaller boat, so it would go ashore. They're going to actually sneak off the boat, leave all the prisoners and the centurions, and let them have the ship, and they're going to go to land safely. And, of course, Paul warns, and they cut the ropes, and they drop the skiff into the water, and they're headed together on shipwreck because of, of Paul's instructions. Why this whole story, if we look at what's happening, Paul is obviously being nauseated as well when they go through this. On the third day, we threw the ship's tackle overboard with our hands, now, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest beat on us, all hope, that's key, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. Where were these men in their lives? We're going to what? We're going to die. It's where no small tempest. Isn't that a funny biblical way of saying, man, it was terrible out there. It was the heaviest storm we've been in. We've thrown away the ship's tackle. We've come to, to say we're going to die. Do you think any of these men's mothers were worried or concerned about their sons in the Navy? Because this has been our cargo ship. Do you think the mothers cared about them? Do you care about your sons today? If you have sons or daughters? How can you relate to this? How can can mothers today look at even this thing and say, I pray for the future of my son or daughter? How can dads pray, as a matter of fact, because it's not just Mother's Day today, right? Dads today, dads come into play. How do we actually influence them for the future? These men, Julius meant fair hair, if you look at that word. So you got a, you got a commander, a centurion named fair hair. So he would have actually been of some nice family or some place. Even Julius Caesar, right? He was, some say that he might even come from their family. He was of the Italian regiment, and he was a man who actually showed Paul favor. He let Paul go with his friends. He was a prisoner, yes, but he knew the accusations. He had nothing to send to Rome that Paul was guilty of murder. Paul was guilty of being a thief. He had none of that. And he knew Paul was coming, so he released Paul, the Bible says, to be with his friends so that Paul could be, have first aid, possibly have food, and spend time with even with the people that were traveling with him, and even when they get off the ship. Let's continue with the story because there's a lot of importance that goes with the story today. Paul transitions in verse 21 But after long absence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Men, you should have listened to me. Don't you hate that when somebody says, I told you so? Especially a preacher. I told you so. And not have sailed to Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. And now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. Why does the angel say, do not be afraid? Because Paul was probably a little afraid. This rocket ship has messed him up. Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore, take heart. Now, Paul told them to take heart because the angel of God told him to take heart. 
And that when you preach God's message, Mom, when you preach God's message, Dad, friend, Christian, when you tell people what God says, thus says the word of God, you're giving them the words of God. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe God. I have faith in God. That it will be just as he, it was told of me. However, we must run aground on a certain island. Now, when the 14th night had come, as we were driven up and down in the Adriatic Sea, and about midnight, the sailors sensed that they were drawing near some land. Here's what they do. And then we did the same thing in the Navy. Whenever things go down, when the computers go down, you take soundings. Anybody ever take a sounding? It's like a plumb line in carpentry. Basically, you drop it over, and it actually will tell you. There's measurements on it. It will tell you how, how deep the water is, if it can touch bottom. And they took soundings and found it to be 20 fathoms. And when they had gone a little further, they, they took soundings again and found it was 15 fathoms. Then fearing lest we should run aground on the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. They were still in a terrible place. Paul has already told them God's going to deliver them if they stay together. Paul's already told them, take some food. Paul has ministered to them and trying to encourage them, take heart, he said. And what does mankind always do whenever you hear something? Listen, Jesus Christ will save your soul if you would only surrender to him. What is, how did you respond when you first heard that message? Did anybody say yes the first time they heard that? How many of you heard it more than 10 times before you responded? Anybody more than 10? Me? Anybody more than 100? Probably me. Take heart, because God wanted to do something in these men's lives. He wanted to show his power not only to Paul, but he wanted to show his power to the men on the ship, the people back home praying for Paul, and you and me today. Do you get any encouragement seeing that God's hand was moving through Paul's life? No? Yes. Mothers, do you get any encouragement today when your son or daughter is far from God and you say, listen, God, I've been praying. You say, whatever I ask, I have in the name of Jesus Christ if it's the will of God. Is it God's will that we be saved? Yes. So mamas, let me encourage you on Mother's Day. Keep praying for those wayward sons and daughters. One day they might grow up to be a preacher, right? That's not always the best thing, but I'm saying I'm saved going to heaven. And they'll, they'll come to know Christ. The world will seem so far away now. And, and I want to encourage you today. We talked about religious liberties in small groups today. Does the world seem so weird to you today? Do you seem weird to the world today? If you stand on Jesus Christ and the word of God, you'll seem so strange to the world, they can't figure you out. But guess what they want? They want what you have. And we have to give it away. In the good times, the Bible says, in season, out of season, we must preach the word and tell people. Well, I, re I reject that, is what the world will say. Again, is that my problem or your problem if they reject the word of God? Did these men reject Paul initially? Yes. Did they reject him the second time he said, take heart? Yes. Did they reject him the third time he says, listen, God says we've got to stay together? Yes. And you'll see, the sailors are going to try to jump off the ship in the skiff, and Paul said, listen, stop. If these men go off board, none of us are going to make it. None of y'all are going to make it. Paul knew he was going to make it. And the word was clear. They, the soldiers took the sailors and they cut the, they cut the boats. So they started to listen because they had a belief that Paul might have been right. And we will continue. If you continue to read, we'll go through th verse 35. And when he had said these things, he took bread. He gave thanks to whom? Look at verse 35. Who did Paul thank? I think Rome for this grain. I think Egypt for this grain. Did he do that? He thanked God for the food. They took food, and of course, the shipwreck's coming. Verse 36 is so important because if you've been sharing your faith with someone and you say, they're never going to get it, 
doesn't seem like they're ever going to get it. They're never going to get it. Watch what verse 36 says. They, uh, then they were all encouraged, and they also took some food for themselves. First thing that came was not the food. What came? Encouragement that God was going to do something. Your God's going to do something. These men have been exposed to many gods. Your God's going to do something. And in all, we were 276 if I put my glasses on, I probably could read that. And in all, we were 276 persons on the ship. So when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and threw out the wheat into the sea. They're preparing for shipwreck. Everything's gone. Now the food rations are gone. They know that they're actually going to, they're believing Paul. Look at your notes. Let me show you some things in your notes. Paul was finally sent from Judea to Rome as a prisoner. Being innocent of any crime, Paul in chains remained committed to preaching the gospel of Jesus wherever God sent him. Paul preached it in front of kings. Paul preached it in front of governors. Paul preached it in front of mobs. Paul preached it in front of preachers. Paul preached it in front of anyone who would listen. He preached the gospel no matter what situation he was in. That's what Paul did. He preached the gospel because he was convinced that the gospel was true. Are you convinced that the gospel is true today? Do you preach the gospel, share the gospel? Though his life was difficult at times, Paul knew God's sovereign hand was upon him. God remained faithful through his heartaches, happiness, and hopes. Paul went through all those things. you think he was excited about being shipwrecked? think Paul got excited about being beaten almost to death or to death? think Paul enjoyed being rejected everywhere he went? A small group of people would love on him and encourage him, give him food, give him sustenance so he could keep on keeping on. But remember, Paul is a Pharisee. He come from the, the life of wealth. Being a Pharisee, most scholars believe he had to be married. Did his wife divorce him or did she die? We don't know. Where's his parents? Because he was a Jewish Pharisee, but he also was a Roman citizen, which was very expensive to buy your citizenship. So somehow his father and mother obtained citizenship, therefore Paul had it. Paul had all the credentials of anything in his culture, his life, that you would want or need. Paul had it all. That's what Paul says in, in Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ, or which, uh, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. He said, I, I know how it's like to, to live in nice things. I, I know how it's nice. I've had nice things in my life, and I've had nothing. So I've been here, and I've been here. In all things, good things or bad, I have, listen, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. We've taken that scripture to mean I can hit a home run or throw a touchdown or shoot a three-pointer. I can do all things through Christ, which we can because Christ gives us strength. But Paul was talking about if I'm suffering or if I'm happy, and things are going well, I can do all things in between through Christ who gives me strength. That's what he was saying. I want you to see this. God put people in Paul's path to give him encouragement. Just because he was a preacher, sometimes we can look at him and think he's Superman. Paul had feelings and emotions as well. Paul probably desired, obviously, a, a companionship. What did he do whenever he, he seemed like it was never going to end? Julius, this guy, the, command, the centurion, he encouraged Paul because he let him go with his friends. Was there another centurion that encouraged Paul? Remember just a couple of chapters ago when the centurion says, do you speak Greek? And Paul spoke Greek to the centurion and they had a conversation about the gospel. Do you think Paul shared the gospel with Julius? Do you think he shared it with the, all the men that are on the ship? The sailors? Yes, he did. We know that Paul was faithful to preach the gospel no matter where he was in life. Paul was on a dangerous voyage. Satan wanted to destroy him with the danger. When that tempestuous wind, when that heavy wind comes in, does Satan have any control of the storms of life? Can he bring storms in your life? Mothers, can he bring storms in your life? 
Yes, usually in the form of a husband or children, right? But Satan, we know, go back and look at the book of Job, he brings a wind to kill Job's children. Satan is the prince of this world. Satan is not in hell working shifts like the, the, the Wizard of Oz trying to make things bad in the world, and God's up in heaven working other gears trying to make things good in the world. That's not how it works. God is God. He was not created. It always has existed. From eternity past to eternity future, God exists. He created Lucifer, an angel of light, to actually be his worship leader. And in worship, Satan wanted to stop the worship and have it for himself, according to what the scripture says. And God kicked Satan out of heaven. So God is God. Satan is a created angel. He was Lucifer. He became Satan. And Lucifer became Satan. So God, Satan, never get the two mixed up. It's not God and Satan. It's not a man my size fighting me, a man my size. It's all-powerful God, powerful Satan. He's still powerful because he's a prince of this world. Because when Adam and Eve, when Adam turned the keys over to him, God, through Jesus Christ, came back and redeemed. He said, I've overcome death, hell, and the grave. But Satan still has power in this world. But can I encourage you today, don't spend your time talking about the devil. Who should you be speaking to spend your time talking about? Jesus. Hey, let me just do a survey real quick. Do you know that Satan wants to ruin your life? Do you know that Satan hates you because you're human? Do you know that Satan hates you double if you're a human who's a Christian? He wants to destroy your life. He'll use natural things, but listen, who's in charge of everything? God. So as Satan works to destroy Paul in this dangerous voyage, God wanted to show his power through the danger. If we looked at it from a point of view, from a secular point of view, it was a good grief. Why didn't God just intervene and send a cruise liner and let Paul be cruised to Rome? That's how we would have done it, right? He should have all the food, midnight snacks. He could have all the snacks. He, he, should, he should have all the niceties of life. And that's how we feel that the Christian life should be. God should give me everything that's really under control. God should give me the best children. God should give me the best house, the best everything. That's not how it is. When we enter to the realm of salvation, when we come to Christianity, war its own and it, satan hates you because you're made in the image of god genesis 126 he hates you you're different than him he's an, even if he had never sinned he's still just an angel he will never be a human angels can't be humans and you, humans don't die and turn into angels i don't know if you know that or not god specifically had this realm god the angels and then he created mankind in his image that's why you should love life. That's why we should be pro-life, because God is pro-life. These winds come. Listen, Paul gave fair warning to the owner of the ship and the sailors of the danger they would encounter. Intending to reach a better winter port, they pressed on. Today, when you share even the good news of Jesus Christ, people will say, well, I've heard that before. I know a Christian, a bunch of hypocrites at Town Creek Baptist Church. Are we hypocrites at Town Creek Baptist Church? Do you say one thing sometimes and do another? So if you're here today and you're lost, are there any hypocrites at Town Creek Baptist Church? Raise your hand if you've ever been a hypocrite. Just everybody look around real quick. So is that right? Are the hypocrites at Town Creek Baptist Church? Unfortunately, sometimes we are. We come to that, that very place that something makes us angry, something breaks our heart, somebody hurts our feelings, and we get into the flesh. But what do we have at our disposal that God gives us? We don't sin so that we can be forgiven. We go straight into the word of God. God, I'm sorry for my sins. He convicts me that I'm, I've done wrong. And I say, I'm sorry to the person I hurt. And then I say, I'm sorry to God. Would you forgive me? And he always responds with what? 
Yes, because Jesus has already paid for our sins on the cross. We don't, we're not saved so that we can sin, but when we do sin, we go to him and confess that because God wants us to say about our sins what he says about our sins. Mothers, be encouraged today. Paul encouraged the men, listen, uh, excuse me, tempestuous winds came in the Mediterranean Sea there. The ship was in distress. The men on board the ship did everything humanly possible to keep her afloat. Did you do everything humanly possible so that you could actually avoid salvation through Jesus Christ alone? Did anybody say, that sounds so simple. Anybody ever say that? It sounds so simple that if I do that, I, I, I mean, it feels like I got to do something else. Anyone else feel that way? I was that way. I need to do something else. I mean, just believe by faith. That doesn't make any sense to me. I've heard it my whole life. Anybody else there? Or that is so complex, I could never grasp that. Can I tell you that both answers are yes? Is it that simple that you can receive it? Even a child can hear the word of God, understand they're a sinner, and receive the love of Jesus Christ that he died on the cross for their sins. Not only did he die, he was buried, and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. A child can understand that if the Holy Spirit opens his heart or her heart. But it's so complex, none of us can understand it. Every time we sing, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, does it go, blow your mind? Why would he love you? Because you know who you are, don't you? You know what you think and what you do. You know how you've sinned. God knows that, yet he loves you. Because we sing this morning, because God is so good. Let me, let me speed up here. Paul encouraged the men aboard the ship. He told them to take heart because God has sent an angel to detail the outcome of this part of the voyage. Uh, part of the voyage. Next part of the voyage is coming to shipwreck. Paul told them, the men, God wanted him in Rome. If God wanted Paul in Rome, guess where he's going? Rome. He shared his faith with all on board in the middle of the storm. They listened to him this time. How many times do you have to speak to these people? How many times do you stand before King Agrippa? How many times do you have to stand before Felix or Festus? How many times must he say the same thing? If I'm guilty, I'm guilty of this, of preaching Jesus Christ. On the road to Damascus, I was traveling to torture the church. And on the road, I had an encounter with Jesus Christ. He knocked me off my horse. I was blind, could not see. He told me to go into the city. There was a man, Ananias, who was going to help me. He was going to pray for me. And when Ananias prayed for me, it's like scales fell from my eyes. I was blind, but now I see. Jesus saved me. And Paul, when, he, when the scales fell off his eyes, he goes immediately and he's baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, he's baptized. Paul was sharing his faith because it was real to him. Every day, God called him to go preach somewhere. Well, let me ask you this question. Has God called you to preach or share the message of Jesus Christ? He's not called you to be an apostle necessarily, capital A, because there's no more apostles. You would have to see Jesus in person. But he has called you to be a lowercase apostle, a messenger, someone carrying the message. And my question to you is this. Have you carried the message to somebody else that they must be born again? Church, it's time. The days are dark and we have the light of the world. Jesus Christ. And matter of fact, we are the light because through us, he shines. I have this new light I, I purchased somewhere. It was a big spotlight. has a red lens on it. What happens as soon as I put the red lens on this bright light, what does it do? Turns red, okay, just to give you a heads up. But it's not as bright. It won't shine as far. And if I was to put a black lens on top of it, what's going to happen? That's what we're doing today. Mothers, listen, some of us, especially mothers today on Mother's Day, mamas and grandmothers, you're the worst. You cover and smother for your child. 
oh, he's a Christian, but he just drinks five bottles of whiskey a day, and he cusses like crazy, and, and he beats his wife, but he's a good man. He's a good man. Quit calling your son or your daughter saved if they're living like the devil. You're what's called an enabler. Y'all know that, moms? I know I'm supposed to speak nice things on, on, each, on, on Mother's Day. But stop enabling your children to sin and call it good. Would God call good what you're seeing in your children's life? Yes or no? You had to make that decision. Then start praying for the right thing, not God bless him, God bless her. God, drive them to the knees. Would you rather see your child in the hospital, on their deathbed, receive the Lord Jesus Christ, or live prosperous their whole life and die and go to hell? What would you prefer? You say neither, right, because you're a mother. But the bottom line is, Lord, whatever it takes, save my son. Lord, whatever it takes, save my daughter. That's, that should be our mantra for dads, moms, brothers, sisters, anybody. Lord, whatever it takes. And not get mad at God whenever he has a discipline someone to bring them to the point of bending their knee. When they're laying in a hospital bed or here, oh, no, you have cancer. Oh, no, you have heart disease. Oh, no, you're going to, you have six weeks to live. If you can pray whatever it takes, then you're ready to preach the gospel to the world. Lord, whatever it takes. Mothers, I encourage you today. Grandmothers, I encourage you today. The sailors did this. They fought the foul weather and did their part to keep a sinking ship afloat. Paul encouraged them all to stop and eat. Paul was a bad, he must have been a Baptist preacher. The men were encouraged and ate. They did the very thing that Paul taught. Remember, they wouldn't listen to him, wouldn't listen to him. He's just a prisoner. He's just a nobody. Maybe he's making sense. Now he's making sense. Let's stop and eat. And they stop and eat. And when they ate, do you think Paul said, um, let's just eat in quiet today. I'll just, I'll just be good around them and let them see my influence and hope they all know Jesus because they're watching me. That's what some of you say today about your influence and your, where you work. If, if people just know I'm a Christian by the way, I, the way I just walk and I don't get involved in everything else. The only way people are going to know about Christ is if you open your mouth. You have to confess. You have to tell them that Jesus Christ is Lord. You say, well, I'm not comfortable doing that. Then check your salvation. God's called us to be out front. God's called us to be vocal. God's called us actually in good times and bad times. God's called us when we're happy. God's told us when we're in heartache. God's told us when we have that hope. Preach the gospel. Listen, in season, out of season, we must tell the world about Jesus Christ. And God had a plan for Paul. God had a message for, for the men aboard the ship. God was there with them in the middle of the storm. And mama's day, listen, God's with your children. I don't care if they're adult children or just starting out, God's with them. And he's waiting to do something. And, and it might be that prayer, your prayer. It might be their decision, but God's ready to do something because here's the good thing that we actually sung this morning we know. God will be with us before, during, and after the storms of life. He is good. He is faithful. Let's say that together. He is good. He is faithful. And he's good and faithful when your heart's broken. God's good and he's faithful. And when you're happy, God's good, he's faithful. When you have lots of hope or no hope, God's good and he's faithful. Would you agree with that? And finally, listen, God will be with us before, during, after the storms of life. Can you testify this morning and testimony? I didn't, did the ladies get to testimony, uh, testify today? Was there any of that going on? I didn't get to hear that because we were trying to fix air, our, our fans. How good God is. How can he take a weekend same word of God, 
or get away and refresh. What does it do to you? Just to take a night's sleep. How about young mothers? <laughs> Moms, is the nice just to like have me time? Let me tell you, young husbands, it's, it's great for moms to have me time because that home is usually taken care of by the mother. And let me encourage today, if you're very close friends, because a, a lot of times we were so close, knit family, our kids didn't spend a night with a lot of other people. We didn't let a lot of other people influence our kids. We wanted our kids to be as crazy as we were. But we also were so protective, we wanted them to be safe because I was a children's minister always wondering, I'm looking out for the bad guy, right, or the bad girl. And so we were protective of our kids but if you have somebody you can trust today, listen, young mothers especially, it's hard. Young dads are trying hard. They're trying to make a living. They're trying to get that promotion. They want better for their family. We all want better for our family. And older mothers, listen, sometimes when you struggle saying, I wish I would have go back and you could critique yourself all the way through life. How many of you do that? If I had of, if I had of, if I had of. Here's the deal. You didn't. Let God, full forgiveness of God come in your life. And from today forward, go forward. Let the past be the past. There's been bad decisions, divorce, things we shouldn't have said or done, actions we've taken, jobs we moved because we were just mad, or we moved countries or counties. But God's a God of forgiveness. God's a God of fresh starts. Today is the day that we should live in him and walk in him. Let me encourage you, no matter what you're going through today, mamas, grandmamas, Ladies, men, young people, God is there with you. All you have to do is turn and speak with him. He's right there with you. The Bible says he never leaves you nor forsakes you. God's everywhere all the time. Well, it didn't feel like it. Change your feelings. Take the facts from the word of God and live accordingly. Can I challenge you with that today? He's with you. Christian today, listen, he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake ever. So when we die, is he with us? When we live, is he with us? Do you truly believe the word of God? Then take action accordingly. God, you know this is about to happen. If you're like Paul on this shipwreck, the ship's about to crash. Just spoiler alert for next week. The ship is going to crash hard way. Did you know in Malta today, it's an independent country, there's still a place called St. Paul's Bay? Did y'all know that? Look it up when you go home to Google search it. St. Paul's Bay, and it's actually, the reference is where Paul ran aground and God saved him. No, it's not. It's very secular now, like America, but it's still named St. Paul's Bay because that's where he ran aground. Look it up. It's pretty cool how God, throughout all the history that we have, it's still, there's a record of, oh yeah, this is where the Apostle Paul shipwrecked here. Go to Holy Land. This is where Jesus was crucified. We don't believe that he was Savior, but this is where he was crucified because it's a tourist attraction, right? Many Jews don't believe still today. Oh yeah, this is where he was supposedly buried. Oh, this is where Jesus taught. If you go take a Holy Land tour, they'll take you, you have unbelievers tell you the story of Jesus without ever believing Jesus. You go to Malta, they'll tell you about St. Paul without ever believing the message that Paul preached. Because what did Paul do when he ran the ground? Spoiler alert again. He preached Jesus to the people of the island. If God did not send Paul that way through the storm, let Satan crash down on that ship, God had a plan that the people of Malta would hear the gospel before Paul got to Rome. <laughs> what Satan meant for evil, what did God do? He used it for good. That's the way he works in everyone's life if you would just open your eyes and see God at work. I challenge you today, Mother's this Mother's Day, kiss on your mama if you got her with you because some of you miss your mama because she's moved on, right, to heaven, to glory. 
But if you got your mother, and encourage your, men, encourage your boys and girls to smooch all over your mama's face, even if it's not even, during COVID and everything, smooch your mama, because it makes her feel good. She loves you. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for today. And I thank you for mothers that have passed on that are in glory, that they set an example for us. I thank for mothers that are here today. I'm thankful for the mothers who gave birth to some of these kids who were adopted and some young people and, and adults who were adopted. And they said, I wish I could see my biological mother. She chose life, but yet also, Lord, there was a family that chose to adopt. And Lord, we're all adopted by you. The Bible says we're grafted in. The good attributes of motherhood comes directly from you, God. We call you father because you are a father. The word calls you a father. But everything that makes a man a man comes from you and everything that makes a woman a woman comes from you. And the godly influence of a mother, Lord, is a powerful thing. I think of Paul when he's on set and sail. I must have thought even of the good days and the bad days, maybe of his childhood, of his upbringing. Maybe he missed his mother. Lord, maybe he was afraid. Lord, I know he was discouraged because you sent people to encourage him. You sent events to encourage him. You gave him food to strengthen him. Thank you, Father, for the message of Paul. Thank you for mothers today. Thank you for fathers. Thank you for family. But Lord, ultimately, thank you for salvation through Jesus Christ alone. We praise you today, Lord, because you're worthy to be praised. We thank you today, Lord, because only you, as we prayed even this week in National Day of Prayer, Lord, only you can fix this nation and our problems. It's to you we turn today. We want to bless your name through the name of Jesus. Oh, Father, we want to love you today. Help us in our weakness. Help us in our sin. Help us to be more like Jesus day by day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.